You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll go over how San Francisco voted by neighborhood. A local resident has been mapping the election's result by precinct and joins us to discuss what that map shows. You know, when I moved to San Francisco, everyone talked about the city as just kind of this very progressive liberal place. And it's, you know, depending on where you are, it is very true or it is not true at all. And I think getting into the minutia of that is really interesting, especially because I think we are, like a lot of cities, um, very separated in terms of a lot of things about us, in terms of, um, you know, race, we're separated in different neighborhoods, in terms of income, that can change a lot by neighborhood. And so seeing how those things compare to the way we vote, I think is just, is it's really fascinating to me. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org. With Election Day now in the rearview mirror and most of San Francisco's votes tallied, we decided to take a look at how things have shaken out so far. We're lucky in the city to have detailed results data and a local resident with the skills and interest to parse it. Chris Arvin has been creating maps from election data that show how various parts of town voted on the issues and candidates. Today, we're bringing you a conversation about what those maps show, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, a note. This conversation was recorded early Wednesday afternoon, with some 90,000 votes left to count. We didn't talk about hotly contested races, but it's possible the margins will have shifted slightly on some of these items by the time you hear this. And we know the amount of votes counted will have increased. So just keep that in mind. Here we go. Hi, my name is Chris Arvin, and I um, built a couple tools for this election to help people in San Francisco understand their local election results. So I built a map that lets you see at the small precinct level um, how different races went. And a tool lets you see different correlations between demographics like income or race and how different races went in this election. And I'm excited to talk to you about all of those things. But um, just to set the scene a little bit here, your election maps that you've been doing for a couple of years now are pretty famous in San Francisco. But for someone who hasn't encountered them or your other work, could you say a little bit about how you started doing these maps and where else people might know you from? Yeah, totally. So I started doing these maps for the 2019 election in November. And basically, I just wanted to look at the information myself because I was curious. And so I started looking into how to do the maps. And I think I realized that the reason that a lot of other people weren't doing it yet is because the uh, data is kind of in a hard to use format. They basically, um, on the SF election level, give you every ballot individually and tell you to go calculate it yourself. Uh, oh my so God. that was a fun experience. Um, <laughs> and, um, and stuff other than the election results, I am a big transit fan. So I've done everything from, I started a transit shop where I sell merch like pins and stickers that are all themed around the love of transit to um, research stuff. Like I've looked into how BART's fare evasion citations are disproportionately given out by race. I've uh, looked into different changes around muni speeds with better market street and those changes so i'm kind of like a huge transit person but i also just love san francisco and care so much about what happens in our city 
Well, thanks for laying that all out. Let's get a sense of where we're at with this election. The election's website says all precincts have reported, but San Francisco isn't done counting yet at the time of this recording. I think we're still waiting on about 90,000 more votes to be counted. Turnout so far is more than 67%, but our elections department, our elections boss, thinks we'll break 81%. Um, How does the counting play out for somebody who isn't terribly familiar with this? Yeah, totally. So the way it generally works, and it's a bit different this time because voting is a lot different this year, but they tend to do a first uh, sort of results dump um, at the beginning of election night around 8 or 9 p.m. That is just anything they've counted before election day, and that is generally just mail-in ballots um, or some early votes. And then they give updates hourly that night, and so we got a few more updates last night. And then every day after, we get an update at 4 p.m. And so we're talking now it's 1.40 p.m. In a few hours, we'll get some new results. Not sure how many of those 90,000 ballots will be counted in that, so we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we look at turnout, um, in terms of the votes that have been counted so far, I would say we're at about 85% of the ballots having been counted. Mm-hmm. And so if we were to look at, you know, I think we have... Um, what does it say, around 348,000 ballots have been counted so far in this election. If we look at our turnout from 2016, that's kind of a benchmark. The total number of votes were around 414,000. So we're getting pretty close, but still have some votes left to count. I think in a lot of races, you're not going to see a big difference because there is enough of a margin that those votes aren't going to change the direction. But we do have some really close races right now, especially in District 1, where we're really looking for how do the ranked choice votes end up And how does that math play out to let us know who's actually going to win? Right. Yeah. And those margins are really, really, really thin. Um, So I'm actually going to try and avoid talking too much about the outcomes there in this conversation. But one great thing about your maps is that they really drive home that San Francisco voters are not monolithic. We have this reputation for being a super far left city, but people vote differently and neighborhoods vote differently. Um, In fact, you were asking on Twitter if people thought San Francisco would go more or less than 10 percent for Trump this year. Right now, he's sitting at just under 12 percent overall, if I'm reading this correctly how does that fluctuate by neighborhood yeah totally so we're slightly um ahead in terms of we have a a bit more support for trump this time than 2016 which is a bit surprising to me actually Mm -hmm. but a lot of the way that the the kind of trump biden vote is playing out is very similar to a lot of other elections looking at sort of more moderate or moderate right candidates compared to the more progressive or left-leaning candidates the kind of patterns are you know toward the center of the city you have uh, a very kind of like strong liberal hold, especially around the Castro, near the Haight and Twin Peaks. And in parts of the mission, that really turns into a really a progressive stronghold. And so they're going to vote not just for, you know, the Democrat president strongly, but also for local issues, um, whether it's like tax measures or progressive candidates. But then as you get more toward the outskirts and different areas of the city, you see less support for Democrats, less support for progressive causes. And even though it's still the Democrat president is still going to win those precincts, there's less support. And so especially places like in the outer sunset and the southern parts of the outer sunset, you're seeing a bit less support for Joe Biden. And in the uh, marina, we tend to see this as well, where we see, I think these are really just um, in, the, in the marina, wealthier um, precincts that are tending to vote more conservative. Yeah, I was going to ask it. Does this seem so far to be correlated with income or homeownership or just like wealth generally? Yeah, I mean, I, I hesitate to 
put too much into correlations at this point right. in the counting. Right. But um, I think there's definitely some correlations around actually surprising things. I think, you know, looking at income uh, in precincts versus the vote for Joe Biden, there's actually somewhat more support for Joe Biden in wealthier neighborhoods overall, huh. even though we don't see those kind of uh, patterns playing out when we look at the different neighborhoods. So it's really like, it's not just about neighborhoods, but also kind of about your individual block and who's living on your block. Mm, yeah. There are, you know, um, votes still to be counted and we don't really know the, the exact outcome, but I, I do think it's worth talking about state ballot measures because some of the results are quite clear um, and how the local vote on those shook out. San Francisco went against the grain on a lot of state measures, among them Proposition 22, which San Francisco voters rejected while state voters overall approved it. And that's the proposition that carves out an exemption to state law AB5 for gig workers like Uber and Lyft drivers and classifies them as contractors, not employees. San Francisco overall didn't go for this law, but how did it do by neighborhood? Yeah, so like you said, we did not support this overall. Uh, We were 60 to 40 on the no side. But looking at actually, there are a number of precincts where Prop 22 won, and you had support, you know, nearing 60%. So kind of the opposite vote in some areas. Flipped, yeah. And so definitely the the strongest one was that marina area, um, and the area near sort of the, the more northern parts of uh, Pacific Heights. I think you have probably more tech workers there concentrated in other neighborhoods. That'd be one of my guesses, and that you also see higher income folks. In, the, in that neighborhood. But I also think there's kind of a, maybe a, a culture aspect here that you can't really map with census data or just vote numbers, but actually, you know, how do people feel about the impact that tech has on the city and how do people mm-hmm. feel the future of, of labor law and how important they think that is? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to speculate because we don't have information, like you say, from the census or or anywhere else that would give us data here. But is there perhaps also an aspect of which neighborhoods are are high Uber and Lyft use? I mean, what happened in the Mission, for example, Valencia Street is a big ride hailing, uh, you know, spot. Did did we see the same there? Yeah. So we actually did not. So I mean, near mm-hmm. Valencia Street, we were at pretty high no votes for Prop Twenty Two. Okay. Uh, so in the mission, you know, just around any precinct, you'll get between 65, 70% uh, or more voting no on Prop 22. And so I think that's where a lot of this this interesting dynamic comes to play of maybe it's that there's more of a mix of, of folks who are more favorable towards, towards tax opinions than others, whereas in the marina, it's more concentrated. Mm-hmm. Similar question for Proposition 21, which would allow municipalities to enact or expand rent control. This seems like it's split in San Francisco pretty clearly along the lines of which areas have the most renters. Am I on the right track there? Yeah, you totally are. And this is one of the stronger relationships I've seen looking at some of these correlations. It's not the strongest relationship, but I think it's enough to kind of, with the information we know, go into there's definitely sort of a, a split here between places that have more homeowners are going to be more likely to reject rent control expansion than places that have more renters. So what parts of town supported Prop 21 and which parts didn't support it as much? Yeah, so those really progressive left-leaning strongholds, like parts of uh, the Mission, parts of Haight-Ashbury, Tenderloin, they definitely supported expanding rent control. But the support kind of totally went away when you went towards Outer Sunset. You have um, some slightly more conservative voters more homeowners 
in that area, and especially in parts of District 7, which is around Forest Hill, places near Diamond Heights, Twin Peaks, they um, outright just voted no on, on Prop 21. And then again, we saw, just like with Prop 22, kind of the more conservative areas north of the city in the Marina Pacific Heights, and they definitely rejected it. But I also thought it was a bit interesting looking at sort of the um, the eastern parts of Soma when you get closer, you know, towards 3rd Street, 4th Street. I, you know, want to speculate too much just based on anecdotes, but I it, these places, you know, when you go look at Soma and you go east, it flipped from going from 70% yes on 21 to 60% no on, on 21, huh. just going more east in Soma. And I think these are areas with a lot more new construction, uh, newer newer buildings going up more in that part of Soma than I think the west part of Soma. And I wonder how much that kind of correlates with support for rent control. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also curious about sort of the southeastern part of the city. I mean, as I understand it, parts of the Bayview at Hunter's Point, they have actually, you know, quite high concentrations of homeowners, but they're not necessarily wealthy homeowners. How did it do there? Yeah, it was a bit closer to being split, but there were some places where, uh, you know, Prop 21 got 60% of the vote and some places where it, it you know, it, it actually lost by a fair amount. And so some parts of Bayview, you know, you look at it and you see 60% of people were supporting Prop 21, but then other places near Hunter, Hunter Point, it was totally, it was almost 50-50. And so it's really interesting mm. to see that dynamic that wasn't playing out as much in other local propositions play out in Prop 21. Mm-hmm. Zooming into some of the local measures now, I was frankly surprised by how uniformly across neighborhoods the various revenue and tax measures we had on the ballot were supported. So that's Prop A, the big multi-purpose recovery bond. Prop F, our business tax overhaul and special tax backstop. Prop J, a replacement parcel tax to fund um, teacher raises that had been negotiated a while back. And then Prop L, which is a CEO pay gap tax. They had, you know, fairly equal support across town, it seems to me. They they did for the most part, except I would say probably for the more controversial ones, which to me are I and L. Yeah, um, I, I think the ones I. like Prop A, the bond, I mean, that one you know, was supported by the mayor. It was supported by the progressive supervisors. Pretty much everyone was just in favor of A, and you weren't seeing a lot of controversy there. But when you look at um, issues like Prop I, where you had huge real estate spending, I'm surprised it wasn't closer than it was. I think that was it was kind of a shock to me to see it was 58% yes to 42% no for Prop mm. I. But when you look at kind of the patterns around, especially Prop I and Prop L, you see sort of the same neighborhoods that are a little bit more likely to resist kind of these tasks, especially on wealthy people on big real estate. And so Prop I is the one where I think they come out the most. And you see this again in the area, the the northern part of the city near the marina, near Pacific Heights specifically, was rejecting Prop I, rejecting Prop L as well. I think Prop L is in a way another referendum on how people feel about tech, because when you hear an SF, we're going to tax based on the proportion of the top executives' income to workers' income, it's not just a normal tax measure. It's kind of a, almost like a culture statement as well. Right. And then we saw the same sort of thing again in, in that, especially towards the southern part of the outer sunset, we're seeing a bit uh, more resistance to, to new taxes and, and those new revenue sources. We'll get back to this conversation with Chris Arvin in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press.
KSFP would like to thank the awesome, forward-thinking institutional supporters of the San Francisco Public Press, including the San Francisco Foundation, the James Irvine Foundation, the Reva and David Logan Foundation, Craig Newmark Philanthropies, the Jonathan Logan Family Foundation, the Ethics and Excellence in Journalism Foundation, the Fund for Nonprofit News at the Miami Foundation, the Fund for Investigative Journalism, the California Endowment, the Center for Cultural Innovation, the Institute for Nonprofit News, and the local independent online news publishers. This is KSFP-LP San Francisco, 102.5 FM. Let's hear more from Chris Arvin about how San Francisco's neighborhoods voted. How did Prop F do by parts of town? Because that one, I think uh, it sounded to me like it was kind of in trouble and it's pretty crucial for the city's budget. I mean, it's a whole tax overhaul and then it has these sort of backstops for um, some earlier taxes that are tied up in litigation, one of which a really big one is no longer in litigation. So that's fine. But this was a super complicated and B, not necessarily, you know, a shoe in. Totally. I mean, that one was a bit surprising in that almost every part of town it, it won. There was only a few precincts um, that that didn't vote for it, and the ones that didn't vote for it, they were only no by you know about fifty two, fifty three percent, and so it wasn't a big jump in those areas. They were the same areas you would expect. There was one precinct in the marina that went no on Prop F just by a percentage point. So that might even change by the time votes are done counting. Right. Um, and then there were a few places in the very southern part of the outer sunset that went no and those you know those were i think the highest one here was uh, a no was 57 58% on on prop f so prop f was pretty universally supported and so what about prop j because this one i, I heard it was mm, kind of on the rocks and it seems to have done quite well this is a, a replacement tax um like i said to fund teacher salaries essentially raises that were negotiated a while ago and an earlier tax that had was intended for the same thing had not quite made it to the margin that it needed so the hope was here if we lower the tax amount a little bit and make certain carve outs uh you know it'll get a higher margin of support it seems to have gotten that and is there much uh division among parts of town on this yeah so that was one where I don't see any single precinct so far that has gone no on Prop J. Wow. So yeah, pretty amazing. And so those carve-outs definitely worked. And I think, you know, when you get up in this area where Prop J is around 75% yes, that is around as good as you're going to get for a lot of issues in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw Prop RR for Caltrain around that that bit as well. And, you know, sometimes props will get into the 80% on a certain direction. I think it was recently Jules Prop C that actually was the kind of record breaker in a past election for the most, the, the highest share of no votes for any ballot measure put on the, the ballot by initiative, not by politicians. Um, yeah. And but, let's uh, just recap for listeners what that was, because there's been a lot of Prop C's that have a lot of talk about them in the past <laughs> couple of years. But this Prop C was the one that was basically funded by a vaping company. Um, and it was kind of billed as like regulating vaping, but actually didn't really regulate vaping. I mean, maybe you can give a better summary um, than that. But amazing that so much money was poured into it by a vaping company. And then voters went, no, thanks. Pretty resoundingly. Yeah, totally. I think it was actually 
similar to Prop 22 in a lot of ways mm. in that they were saying, well, we don't want to be regulated as much as you're going to regulate us. So we'll propose our own kind of regulations that aren't going to hurt us as much, but we'll call them regulations so we can go to the voters and say, oh, we're going to regulate ourselves and we're going to put all these new restrictions on. Yeah. Um, and that does not work in San Francisco. It didn't work with Prop 22 in San Francisco. It didn't work with Prop C from Juul. And if Uber and Lyft had, had to rely just on San Francisco voters for Prop 22, they, they might not have even tried because it's just not going to happen. What did have some pretty stark differences in different parts of the city were the two, I'm going to call them civic participation ballot measures. So there's Prop C, the measure allowing ugh, another Prop C, sorry, <laughs> but Prop C on this on this November ballot, the measure which uh, allows non-citizens to serve on appointed city oversight bodies, and it looks to be passing. Then there's Prop G, which would have extended municipal voting rights to 16 and 17 year olds, just barely failing so far. And if that holds, it'll be the second time a youth vote initiative in San Francisco fell just short of success. How did different neighborhoods vote on these two measures? And did any of that distribution surprise you? It really didn't. I mean, I didn't know how it was going to go in terms of the overall vote, but looking at Uh which areas of the city voted for and against these, I wasn't really surprised at all. You know, the support for these was coming from really strongly the center of the city, the southeast of the city, near the Tenderloin as well, the hate, and then the strongest places against these were in the outer sunset, the northern part of the city near the Marina and Pacific Heights. And in, in some of these as well, you had a bit less support in sort of the eastern parts of Soma that are closer to the waterfront. So interestingly, San Francisco voted fairly strongly in favor of extending the right to vote to youth on a state ballot measure. This would give youth the right to vote in primaries. But just browsing the maps, it seems like mostly the same parts of town that voted for the state measure also voted for the local measure. But the state measure, you know, enjoyed a bit more success than the local measure did on on youth vote. What's going on there? Yeah, actually, let me pull something up for a sec, because I'm going to look at some of this correlation. Um, and see how how strong that is. And so I'm going to look at my correlations tool. I'm going to look at 18 compared to G in San Francisco. And yeah, and let me say a little bit about that because that's also the first thing that I did when, <laughs> <laughs> when I pulled up uh, your correlation tool, which allows you to compare you know precinct demographics to election results or election results to other election results. Um, and the first thing that I looked at when I pulled this up was age and its correlation to voting mm-hmm. because we have this measure for youth voting on the ballot. Um, and and it the tool indicates that there's you know really little to no correlation between median age and turnout. Um, but I guess what you're doing now is probably comparing the two different youth vote measures to one another? Yeah, exactly. So I'm comparing Prop 18 to Prop G, and uh-huh. that is a very strong relationship uh, between those two votes. And so precincts that were more likely to come out for Prop 18 came out for Prop G as well. And it's almost like kind of like a, a perfect line. Like it, it might be one of the, the few here that, that approaches being that perfect linear relationship. So does it tell us anything that Prop G, the local measure, does not seem to be succeeding while the state measure seems to be doing well in San Francisco? I honestly could not tell you what it is about Prop G versus Prop 18, where Prop, huh. where Prop G would not be getting as much support as Prop 18. Yeah, mysterious. I'm really curious to see how the rest of the votes um, shake out there because you know there are still some left to count. And I, I wonder if it could turn. I, I want to talk a little bit more about this tool that we've been talking about um, that lets you compare these different demographics or votes to other votes or other demographics. <laughs> I mean, this thing is just so cool. 
And I, I want to give you a chance, though, because we are talking about statistics here, to bring up any caveats that you want to mention um, and talk a little bit about how it works. What does it say and what does it not say? Yeah, so the biggest caveat with this is always that correlation does not equal causation. Yes. Um, so you might find certain things where, you know, it looks like things are really correlated, but that's going to tell you why they're correlated, if that makes sense. And yep. I think the other thing here is that, you know, until the final election results are in, this is also very kind of um, hand-waving in some ways. And I'll also say that this census data, you know, they the census kind of, they do this survey every year that is a sample of the population it's not a full count like the normal census is and mm-hmm. it gives us we're like, talking here about the american communities survey which uh surveys a random sample of americans right exactly and so that gives us a lot of good information but it's not a full count of the population and it's also at this point about a couple years old and so a lot of those trends will will stay the same but you know sort of my, my new details they, they will change between 2018 and a full count in 2020 Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope to, once they release the very um, granular data from the 2019 survey, which is in about a month and a half, I, I can get this updated and we'll have a bit more recent data to look at there as well. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're comparing incomplete data to incomplete data. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, was there a particular reason why you decided, hey, I'm going to try to build this? Yeah, I just love understanding in, in the city, you know, who, who votes which way and why. I think, you know, when I moved to San Francisco, everyone talked about the city as just kind of this very progressive liberal place. And it's, you know, depending on where you are, it is very true or it is not true at all. And I think getting into the minutia of that is really interesting, especially because I think we are, like a lot of cities, um, very separated in terms of a lot of things about us, in terms of um, you know, race, we're separated in different neighborhoods in terms of income that can change a lot by neighborhood. And so seeing the, how those things compare to the way we vote, I think is just is it's really fascinating to me. Yeah. And was there anything as you were building this or maybe playing around with it uh, that surprised you or that stood out to you? I've actually because I just got this ready today, I'm still looking through it myself. Um, <laughs> what you haven't spent hours and days on this even though you just put it up yesterday <laughs> I'm shocked <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> I think what's interesting is kind of when we get into comparing some of the more moderate Democrats and their support to different propositions because I think sometimes there's a difference between the politicians people support and then when it gets down to the actual policy what they support um, hmm. and there's a lot of kind of I think nuance in, in that and so one that I've been looking at that's interesting is it's a moderate relationship between these two. So it's not you know super strong, but there is some correlation there between uh, precincts that turned out more for Scott Weiner compared to precincts that supported Prop Twenty Two more. And that's it's very interesting because you know Scott Weiner he he did say he was not voting for Prop Twenty Two. He's voting no. He didn't come out on it hard though. He wasn't you know out there talking about it every day and telling people not to vote for it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if you look at a candidate like Scott Wiener, who's been pretty friendly to tech versus Jackie Fielder, who is this very much more left-leaning, self-described socialist, I think it, I think it would totally make sense that you do see places that support Prop 22 more voting more for, for Scott Wiener. Mm-hmm. What's next for you? What are you following closely? Um, what are you further developing with these tools? Yeah, so my biggest priority with 
the actual tools is just kind of responding to feedback and making sure everything makes sense to people and that it's useful. I definitely gotten some good feedback around like the colors, like using blue and red kind of has some certain associations with national Ooh, yes. politics <laughs> and that can be weird. So stuff like that, I want to hear from people and I want to update this because, you know, part of it's for, for me to look at because I'm interested, but also I share it because I want it to be helpful for other people to understand the city better, even for, you know, maybe campaigns are looking at this to understand how their work can go better in the future. And then in terms of next for me, I have no idea because the past uh, few days have just been this emotional roller coaster of election mm, results. Right. And I, on the one hand, so interested in what's happening locally and so engaged in it. But on the other hand, I turn on the TV and I'm seeing Donald Trump saying that he's going to take this to the Supreme Court. And mm-hmm. I don't even know what to think. Um, right. So it's, uh, it's a weird time. Absolutely. <laughs> but Chris, thank you so much for doing all of this and making these amazing visual- visualizations and, and for taking the time to talk with me about them. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much as well. I really appreciate it. That was Chris Arvin, who creates maps of San Francisco's voting data. Find them at electionmapsf.com. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org.